everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of What's a Crime with Gwanya and Gemma. So as usual, just going to get straight into today's story. Today's story is about the story of Ying Ying Zhang. Have you ever heard of the story? I remember you talking about it ages ago, but I can't remember what it, what happened. Okay, well I'm about to tell you. Champaign County is located right in the middle of East Central Illinois. The University of Illinois is this beautiful big campus. It's like in the middle of Champaign County. Uh, like YouTube was developed by two of their alums, like two of their students. Um, and it has one of the largest Chinese student populations in the country. There's no other college in the country that has more Chinese students than the University of Illinois. In the spring of 2016, a 27-year-old scholar, Ying Ying Zhang, flies over from China to start a new life. So she is going over to undertake a PhD in the University of Illinois. Um, it was her first time in the United States, and it was actually her first time even outside of China, where she lived. So she said goodbye to her mom and her dad and her younger brother and left them in her hometown of Nanping in China. And she said goodbye to her longtime boyfriend, Zaylin Hu. Um, he planned to actually marry Ying Ying in October of that year. She was a graduate student from one of the top universities in all of China. So she was like she really was smart. Like super yes, smart then, yes. Yeah. She was considered an academic star. And she was from like quite a poor area in southeast China. Her family lived a very modest life. Her dad was a truck driver and her mum was a homemaker and she had a little brother as well. She was the first in her family to attend university. She had done volunteering work. Um, she also loved singing. She was actually in a band uh, in China as well called Q Force. Um, and she was the main singer. So she's one of these people that have like everything. She's like super talented. Super talented, just an all round perfect daughter. Uh, she felt like the University of Illinois was one of the best places that she could go that was in her field of environmental sciences. Uh, she hoped to get the degree and eventually to return to China where she could teach. So uh, on starting the university, she started work in a lab there in the university. Her co-worker, Jiafang Miao, now I hope I'm saying that right, um, she said that she was very excited about um, her new life and her new opportunities in America. And she spent, you know, a lot of her time working or doing research. And she also bought a guitar. So I think that she didn't really have a lot of time to play the guitar, but it made her feel, you know, kind of like she had company. So she can play the guitar too? Yes, well, she's obviously musical as well, having been in the band. On Friday the 9th of June 2017, the day started out like any other. It was a warm, sunny day on campus. Uh, during the summer, the campus is a bit emptier than the rest of the year because obviously a lot of students, you know, go home that time. Um, she was working in the lab that day and at around noon, she told her co-worker that she had to leave because she had, uh, she had an appointment to view a new apartment. So she was living on the south end of campus in a student housing complex, but she was looking to move to one um, in the north because it would be less expensive. Uh, she said that her appointment was at 1.30 p.m., and she said that she would probably be gone for about two hours. 
So that was kind of to account the time to actually get there and the time to come back and obviously actually doing the tour, seeing yeah. the apartment, you know, potentially signing a lease or whatever. Yeah. And it's a huge campus. So like, you know, it could take that amount of time. So her co-worker is like, yeah, you know, that's fine. I'll sort of see you when you get back type of thing. So uh, Yang Ying and the apartment manager, they had been texting each other to set up this meeting. So Yang Ying texts him to let him know that she's running a bit late and she'll be there at around 2.10 p.m. So, you know, she's still obviously very new. She's only been in the country, like let alone the campus for a few weeks. The campus, like I said, is absolutely massive and she's kind of trying to find her way around. Also, she doesn't drive, so she's having to like catch buses or yeah. walk to get where she's trying to go. So at around 2.35 p.m., the apartment manager is still at the complex waiting for Ying Ying and he sends her a text message saying, hey, Ying Ying, just checking to see if you're on your way. And he got no reply. At around 4 p.m., Jia Fang, who is her co-worker at the lab um, in the university, she's kind of noticing that she's been gone for quite a long time. And Ying Ying was, you know, a responsible girl. And she's sure that she wouldn't just sort of leave. And not come back or not tell her anything yeah. if she was going to be late. After dinner, which was around 6 p.m., she still wasn't back. So her co-workers are kind of, at this point, a little bit worried. They try to contact her on her mobile but couldn't get through. So they decide to call to her apartment to see if, you know, maybe she did just go home and didn't let them know. But there was no answer at the door. So that at that point, they do start to think that something is wrong. So her friends and her co-workers go to the university police office. The police are like not initially, you know, really concerned. Yeah. Like it's a Friday evening Students go out, they go to pubs and, you know, hang out with their yeah, friends. it's literally only a few hours, isn't it? Exactly. Like, it's not, a, yeah. So, um, you know, obviously I'm sure they get that a lot of the time as well. And 99% of the time it's not anything to actually yeah. worry about. But they are very worried because I just feel like... Who are very worried? Her friends? Her, her friends co-workers? and her co-workers. They're just worried like because they feel like there's a sense of urgency because this is just not yin yang. The following day, which was Saturday, June 10th, they decide, her friends and her co-workers, to contact local media to get the word out that she's missing and just to see if anybody So this knows is the them. next day and no one's heard anything from her? Yes, since she left. So they're sort of like, if anybody knows about, you know, her whereabouts, so they contact the News Gazette. Um, the reporter that they um, talked to, she's also, like, not really concerned about this as well. She's like... You know, I'm sure it's all just a misunderstanding, but she also notes that they are very concerned, her friends, because they um, they kind of just realise that this is not her. So they're like, OK, look, we'll just run a short story saying that the police are looking for her. And then that way, if she or someone senior, you know, reads it, um, they'll know that her friends are worried. Officers go to visit her apartment as well. Uh, it's in normal condition. Nothing was missing. She hadn't taken her clothes or anything with her. So they're aware that she doesn't drive. And also knowing that she had the appointment to view the apartment, they decided to check with the local bus company whether she had gotten a bus. 
Thankfully, the buses had lots of cameras, both internal and external. They had like 10 in total. And they can actually um, see footage of Ying Ying getting onto a city bus at around 1.30pm, just outside her apartment where she lived. The internal cameras on the bus spotted her then, walking down, taking a seat on the bus. The bus was travelling east and then she got off the bus, presumably realising she was actually going the wrong way, which, having been in America... I had, do you remember? I did this. I I have a terrible sense of direction. You don't know like which side of the street to be on to go where you're going. Anyway, she obviously realizes this. So she tries to flag down another bus. You can see the security camera um, from this, this other bus that she's running on the footpath behind it, trying to get it to stop. So either he didn't see her or, you know, whatever reason, but he doesn't stop. So she goes to the bus stop and waits for the next bus. So... You can assume that the message that she sent to the apartment manager letting him know that she was running late and she wouldn't be there until 2pm. That sort of was somewhere around this point where she realises that... Uh, she got the wrong boss. Exactly. Yeah. So she's maybe starting to sort of panic that she'll be late or won't make it at that point. This is where the story gets sinister. As the police discover that there is something to the story then that meets the eye. So as she's standing there probably hoping her next bus will arrive any second. From a security camera from a nearby parking garage, they could witness a black sedan drive past, circle the block and then pull up next to her. The driver rolls down the window and she walks over to the window and they have a discussion for about a minute. So the police are watching this and they say that What's going on in their head is don't get in, know, don't get in, I know, don't I get know. in. That's what I'm thinking, don't get in. She opens the passenger door, got in, shut it, and the car drives away. So this discovery completely changes the scope of the investigation because now they're taking this seriously. Now they have a suspected kidnapping case. Yeah. So the footage is quite grainy. You can't actually get a view of the driver or even of the license plate number as it's very pixelated. So the FBI get involved. The vehicle was quite unique, though. It's identified as like a Saturn Astra, which was only, I think it was only imported into the US for a while. And there's only like 58 identified in the state. So posters of Ying Ying and the car were hung up all around the campus. There's a lot of talk around the campus, like rumors and, you know, a lot of worries, especially obviously for females. Yeah. Like girls walk around alone all the time on campus and there's rumours of like sex trafficking, that someone is prowling around waiting for someone to be alone. And things got more frightening when a British grad student, Emily Hogan, told the police that on the same day that Ying Ying went missing, a man had pulled up beside her and tried to get her into his car. She said he was a white male. He wore mirrored sunglasses and drove a black sedan car. Oh, gosh. He said he was an undercover police officer and showed her his badge and that he uh, wanted to ask her a few questions about things that had been going on in the area. So she obviously is like, you know what? No, I'm not getting in. Um, And she realizes that this is sus and she immediately calls the police. She's actually that sort of rattled by this encounter that she posts about it on Facebook. So she actually put up a status at 9.36 a.m., which was hours before Ying Ying went missing and wrote... Hi, Champagne friends. A man in a black sedan claiming to be an undercover police officer, brackets, had a badge on a chain under his shirt, close brackets, asked me to come up to his car so I could ask uh, a few questions this morning while I was walking around Urbana. 
I moved to his window and he asked me to get into his car to ask the questions, which I refused to do so. He was okay about it and let me walk away. I called the police and they went to go check out the area. Stay safe, people. Don't get in a car, even if they say they are police or have a badge. Oh, God. And I feel like, obviously, if you're not used to a country you haven't yeah. been there long yeah. you and don't if, and know someone shows you a badge exactly you don't know the rules of yeah. what's right and just worried about I don't know getting into trouble it, Ying Ying was vulnerable to that yeah, sort if of did, if that's who it was if that's who it was Meanwhile, across the water in China, the video of Ying Ying getting into the black car is played by the media. So it's circulating all over the Chinese media. It becomes this this huge story over there. Uh, Ying Ying's boyfriend, her mum and her dad, and uh, they decide to fly to the United States to try and find her. Uh, like, even that alone, how unbelievably sad and terrifying flying across the world somewhere you've never been. I know. You don't speak the language to look for your daughter that's gone missing. Crime Stoppers put up a $40,000 reward for any information regarding Ying Ying. That was the largest amount that the, that organization had come up with. Eventually, police narrowed down 18 persons of interest because the type of vehicle they drove was the same as the one in the footage. So like I said before, it was like a rare kind of vehicle. Um, had it been like a Honda or Toyota or something, it would have been much more difficult to narrow it down. But they managed to do this because obviously this car is quite rare. Even with this though, the police interviewed people um, that owned this car and they were still no further forward. When one of the college campus officers asked if he could review the footage, he watches it for a while very closely and he notices something that all the other officers had missed. A small piece of the hubcap on the wheel of the passenger side front wheel was missing. So I don't know what that means, but it's obviously some part of a wheel on the car. The damaged wheel stood out to this officer Um, Because he was obviously someone that was familiar with cars. And this could help identify this car amongst others that were the same. So the police circle back. They go back to the list of people that they had interviewed. The first guy that they'd interviewed said he'd been at home all day playing video games. You know, he was calm. He was relaxed. Didn't appear suspicious. So they're sending out teams to sort of go through all these people again. Have a look at all their cars again. They send out a team uh, to check out the wheel of the car for any damage. On arrival to the very first person that they'd interviewed, the car is parked outside and sure enough, there is a missing piece from the hubcap on the front right-hand side wheel. The owner of the vehicle was Brett Christensen. 27 years old, he had just completed a master's program with the University of Illinois, uh, Illinois in their physics department. Uh, He was married. He lived in a nice apartment. He did not fit the profile of a kidnapper. He had no criminal history. He was very intelligent. Uh, He attended the University of Wisconsin and the University of Wisconsin at Madison. So he was accepted then into the University of Illinois doctorate program in physics. Obviously, again, very intelligent. There he met his wife, Michelle Zortman, and um, together in 2013, they moved to Champaign-Urbana. So when the police want to talk to him again, he's, you know, a bit surprised, but he's still relatively calm. His wife answers the door. This is a bit weird. She's undressed, like kind of wearing like underwear. <laughs> and she answers the door. <laughs> to the police. Um, they're a bit like, okay, that's a bit strange. 
and they're like, can you, you know, mind if you put some clothes on because they feel a bit uncomfortable. But anyway, in the apartment, they spot a pair of Murd Aviator sunglasses, exactly like the ones that the British student saw when, when someone to, yeah. get her into his car. Yeah. The one that that person was wearing. Okay, so I'm just going to briefly interrupt this episode because we just want to say a very quick thank you to our sponsor for season three, the Muff Liquor Company. So before you start sniggering, Muff is actually a village in Donegal and they have a liquor company. So get your head out of the gutter. (laughs) The Muff Liquor Company is an award-winning premium handcrafted Irish spirit company. You can purchase six times distilled handcrafted Irish gin whiskey and vodka and I mean we have personally tasted (laughs) all of the above numerous times (laughs) so we can say firsthand that they are definitely the best but don't just take our word for it you can order online at themuffliquorcompany.com Hi what can I get you? Hi uh, can I get two sparkling waters and two uh, margaritas? No uh, two mojitos no, sorry. Uh, just two mo- Moscow Mules? Having trouble asking for our famous vodka and gin by name? No problem, because now you can buy your favourite muff liquor online. Fancy enjoying a bit of muff at home? Order now at themuffliquorcompany.com and use discount code What's the Crime for 10% off. The Muff Liquor Company. Come for the name, stay for the taste. Over 18s, drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie. So please do let us know if you enjoy a nice gin and tonic or a nice hot whiskey listening to the next episode of What's the Crime? So the police take him down to FBI headquarters for a voluntary interview. It was around midnight. He seemed calm, nonchalant, you know, OK, this is absolutely fine. They asked him questions about where he was on the day of Ying Ying's disappearance. The more confrontational the police become the more he starts to realise that the police know more than they're letting on. And this makes him flustered and nervous. He then admits he did pick up an Asian girl that day, sometime in the early afternoon. He said he's seen a girl that seemed very upset and he asked her if she needed any help. He said she was only in the car for less than five minutes. He then took a wrong turn and she began to panic and wanted out. Uh, So he dropped her off at a residential estate and he said that was the last he saw of her. He also states that he and his wife have an open relationship, that he actually has a girlfriend and she has another boyfriend. Okay, so the first, like, this is just so fishy, like... Now he's like, oh, actually, I did pick yeah, up. Yeah, actually, a girl. now that you mention it, yeah. I did pick up an Asian girl on the day that Yingying went missing. Even though clearly there's a lot of like media surrounding this. Yeah, Do you know and what they I mean? had already questioned him about it. And they'd already questioned him, and he's like, oh yeah, now I remember. Yes, very fishy. So I actually have a clip of the interview that the police uh, had with Brent Christensen. So take a listen. Do you remember the girl's name that you picked up? No, she was talking very broken English. Okay. Tell us about what happened, what time of day was that? Early afternoon, I don't really remember. Okay. I was just driving around. Um, I saw a girl and she was very distressed. Okay. I asked her if she needed help, I talked to her for a little bit, not much. I gave her a short ride, a couple of She freaked out and got out. 
so from that, he's like, yeah, I did. You know, I picked um, Scarlet up and she freaked out and got out and that's all it was. Yeah, like Brett, Brett, Brett. Who are you trying to kid, man? Who are you trying to kid, Brett? At this point, the police are like 100% sure this is their guy. But they still don't know where Ying Ying was. And they end the interview and he sort of, you know, he's continuing to maintain that he's innocent. But he remains under surveillance. Four days later, the FBI reached out to his girlfriend, Tara Bullis. Okay, so this is not his wife. This is who he, his girlfriend, who he said his wife knows about. Yes. So okay. when he said he was in an open relationship and he has a girlfriend, this is her. Okay. Okay. Uh, he said that, sorry, excuse me. So she agrees to wear a listening device. So the FBI reached out to her and they're like, look, you know, can you do this for us? If he's really a good guy, this will exonerate him. And I don't know if she's sort of trying to, you know, she believes him and she's trying to exonerate him or her exact reason if she actually was trying to get him, you know, to admit. I don't know. But anyway, she wore it. She wore it. On the day of the 29th of June, there was a memorial walk organised for Ying Ying. This is two weeks after her disappearance. Uh, at this point, Tara was wearing the listening device and she recorded her conversations with Brett. So the following is some of what was recorded between Brett and Tara. <laughs> Okay, so just in case you didn't catch that, it's a little bit hard to hear and understand without subtitles. Brett, nobody knows what happened. Tara, nobody will know what happened. Brett, except for me. She was valiant. She was. Tara, she was. Brett, she was. Tara, did she fight? Brett, more than anyone else. She was stronger than any victim I've ever had. I was able to do this with annoyers. She's gone forever. It's a weird thing to be really good at, but it's true. They'll never find her because I will never tell anyone. The family, they won't leave until she's found. They're going to leave empty-handed. Ying Ying is the only person that has produced evidence that leads back to me. Number 13. What? Tara, do you really think you might be the next successful serial killer? Brett, I already am. Laughs. I already am. The last person that I would consider that was at my level that actually did anything was Ted Bundy. So, does the girlfriend know or is he just like, is, how did they get onto this conversation? Like, They're at her memorial walk talking about her and she obviously wants to bring the conversation around to this because she's wearing an enlisting device yeah, but it's, and I think he's had a few drinks at this point as well. But like, so she hasn't known anything before this? Not that we know. But I know it sounds like a very odd conversation as if she's not disgusted, she's discussing, mm. you know. 
And in that recording, it's clear that he's boasting about murdering other people. He calls Ying Ying number 13. Um, can I just say he also calls her valiant, which I didn't know means brave for anyone else. For anyone else, Gemma didn't know what valiant meant, <laughs> but it means brave. So the FBI are obviously concerned because this would mean that they're dealing with a serial killer. Um, so they investigate Brett Christensen and they kind of go through all of his previous areas that he'd lived to see if they could link anything back any missing persons or anything else but they actually found no evidence that he had murdered anyone else they kind of think that more so that he's just sort of trying to replicate the likes of Ted Bundy and boasting that he's really good at killing so you know we've heard of people like that before it's yeah. a very strange phenomenon that people want to be this like really good serial killer so what Which happened sentence in itself just is very totally very up. very weird um what happened so he's obviously arrested and what actually took place uh according to brett he kidnapped her and took her to his apartment where he raped her brutally assaulted her and took her life he is about six foot tall over 200 pounds she was barely five foot four 110 pounds um he took her to his bedroom where the assault took place and her blood ran down the wall to the baseboard into the carpet underneath the bed. So she did fight for her life um, against this man that she'd never met before in this place oh, that she'd scary. never been before. Then he carried her into his bathroom and put her into the, the bathtub. He hit her in the head with a Louisville slugger baseball bat, in his words, as hard as he could. He had planned this. So he was able to get rid of almost all of the evidence. He got rid of her iPhone, her clothes, her backpack. They'd never been found. He got rid of her remains. They had never been found. Oh my God. But he did keep the mattress where he raped her and he kept the baseball bat that he used to hit her. And he spent much of the weekend cleaning. And again, he was able to get rid of almost all of the evidence. He cleaned the car. He cleaned the blood off the mattresses. He cleaned the blood off the wall and the baseboard. And... um. He then went to Walmart on the Sunday and bought cleaning supplies. He cleaned, um, he put like, you know, stuff down the, the sink and the pipes. He, but he didn't clean under the carpet where I said her blood ran down under the carpet. This is where her DNA was like found. behind the, the board of the behind bed. Behind the board of the bed, right down underneath the carpet. He cleaned the carpet. This is where her DNA was found. And this is what ultimately led to his conviction. It took a jury less than two hours to convict him um, as his defense attorneys admitted in their opening statement that he had killed her. They then deliberated for two days and he was sentenced to life in prison. His uh, Ying Ying's family were very frustrated and disappointed that he did not receive the death penalty. In his statements uh, to his attorneys, he claimed that on June 10th, one day after kidnapping and murdering her, that he put her dismembered remains in three separate rubbish bags. Those were left in a bin right outside his apartment and were likely removed during the regular rubbish collection oh three days later. The contents of the bin were taken to a private landfill, landfill in Danville, Illinois, where they were compacted at least twice and her remains have never been found. After the trial, media asked for access to hundreds of documents that were sealed during the case. 
in the unsealed documents was a story of a woman who claimed that uh, Brett Christensen had choked and sexually assaulted her sometime in 2012 or 2013. So she called the FBI after seeing his picture on the TV when he was arrested in June 2017. However, the defence pointed to like inconsistencies uh, in her story. So her accusations were never actually presented to the jury of the trial. There were also statements from Brett's wife at the time of the investigation. Uh, she told the police that her husband was a psychopath and that she was 80% certain he had kidnapped and killed Ying Ying. They have since divorced. So why did why was she with them if she like thought that he was a psychopath? Well, obviously, um, she's she's telling the police this because she believes it, and yeah. um, they're divorced since then. So unless they they had problems and she wanted to leave, I don't know the story behind that. Um, Mike Christensen, who's actually Brett's father, he believed that the killing could have been avoided if counselors took action. Because in March 2017, just 11 weeks before the murder of Ying Ying, Brett actually went to the university's mental health facility and sought help. He described to a doctoral intern how, at one point, he had been planning a homicide after researching serial killers. So she did flag this. She flagged this and two specialised counsellors were brought in to speak to him and, you know, offer treatment. One of the counsellors noted that there was no need for hospitalisation at that time because he stated that he had no current suicidal or homicidal plans or intents. Um, he was scheduled to return for another visit but never showed up. So Mike uh, Christensen, who is Brett's dad, like he, this really, I suppose he's looking for something to, you know, hold on to. He said for him to even admit this, it's not just a cry for help. It's a huge red flag. Nothing happened. The judge, however, threw that case out of court because they could not have foreseen what he was going to do. There was no specific threat made. Um, it was more like homicidal ideation. So they couldn't actually be held in any way responsible for his actions after this. At present, Brett Christensen is um, a federal prisoner serving his life sentence at the United States Penitentiary in Florida. Five years later, Ying Ying Zhang is still remembered in other ways. Her death now fitting into the conversation of the need for better campus safety and society's views of Asian Americans today. So although obviously we speak about the details of this crime, it's so important to remember and emphasize that Ying Ying and other victims of similar violence are human beings. They had families. She was this loving, beautiful daughter, you know, sister, friend, girlfriend. Um, watching quite a lot about this case online, her family were broken. Of course. Like they were just so, so it's it's just heartbreaking to watch. The importance of actually humanizing Ying Ying led um Giovanni Jenny, she um, journalist and documentary filmmaker to create a documentary titled Finding Ying Ying. So it's this documentary that explores kind of who Ying Ying was like as a person and the journey of her family as they tried to get justice for her murder. It's available to watch online for anyone wanting to watch and remember the beautiful soul that Ying Ying was.
Okay, guys, uh, we hope that you tune in next week for a brand new episode of What's the Crime? Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. <laughs>